say hello. Hi, it's so good to be here. It's so lovely to speak to you. I mean, you I know for a fact you give really, really good hugs. Um, <laughs> so when I first saw you, I was like, oh, it's just like I'm having another Shannon hug. Oh, I know. Thank you so much. It was great to hug you in person, too. That was about two years ago now, right? A I year know. Ago? I know. It's crazy. Yeah, um, time flies. So just for our audience, for our listeners, um, just let us know who are you and uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am a writer. Today I write books on the psychology of happiness and how to get unstuck and I lead retreats all around the world and I'm an empowerment coach. But this is actually a very special year. This is my 10-year anniversary. This has been a decade of me doing this work. And uh, before I got to this work, I was in a completely different career. I was in advertising, climbing the corporate ladder. And it looked like I had everything. It's what I thought I wanted. But how often do we get to a place where we think it's what we want? And then we're like, wait a second, this doesn't feel right. And so although it looked like I was happy making lots of money, dating a man who wanted to marry me, on the inside, I was suffering. My doctor diagnosed me with clinical depression. I was suffering from eating disorders, drug addiction, and complete corporate burnout. And so I had to get to a place in my life, and this was about 10 and a half years ago, when I said, something has got to change. And my inner voice said, Shannon, follow your heart. And I was like, what? I don't even know what my heart wants. I thought this is what it wants. But through a process of peeling away what didn't work in my life, letting go of things that I thought I should want, instead choosing to really stand up and empower myself to be who I really am, everything transformed. And the eating disorders went away, the depression is gone, and I'm clearly living my purpose. I love what I do so much today. And so my purpose is to really empower other people to step into their purpose. And it all that's what, you know, all the work I do is grounded on the principles of being true to yourself and being the hero of your own life. I absolutely love that. And I think there's a lot that a lot of people can resonate with, especially in terms of kind of getting to the point where you think you're supposed to be and feeling like there there's something missing. Yes. Um, what, what was it that, did you have kind of an aha moment where you realized that, you know, this is not where I want to be? Or was it more of a culmination of, your kind of environment, the experiences that you were going through with your eating disorder and and drug addiction? That's a good question. You know, I think it was really a combination. You know, it's hard to say. I think so many were looking for that big aha moment, even in, you know, finding self-love. What happened for me in my journey is I realized I wasn't being true to myself. Although I thought this is what I wanted, I had never really asked, what do you really want? I was just going through the motions of what society, culture, family pressure, what they say you want. And once I left all of that behind, I started to realize that there's a whole kind of world within us, dreams, passions, goals that we've never really tapped into. And so my turning point was, of course, what I call the bathroom breakdown, where I was crying on the floor the day that I was diagnosed with clinical depression. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't live a life that doesn't feel like mine. And that is when my inner voice, or it really felt like you know, an angel presence or God or higher power that came in, my higher self that came in, and I felt calm. And I felt calmer than I had in decades. And that calmness is what I wanted. I wanted more of that inner peace, and I tapped into that, and that calm presence said, Shannon, follow your heart. So that was really the, the aha turning point. But once you get the guidance, right, the insights or the inspiration, or once we go to these seminars or read the books or listen to these awesome podcasts, it's great to, like, 
soak up that energy. But what you do after that is the most important. So it's the steps I took after that. That's where true transformation happens. It's called inspired action. So taking inspired action is really how we can transform our life. And that is how I truly overcame depression and left all the eating disorders and everything behind mm. through the daily, daily action. Yeah, and that's so true as well. I think quite quite often people come to a a point where they either think, you know, something needs to change or they have this feeling of discomfort, but then they just acknowledge it and then don't take any don't do anything about it. And often it's probably because perhaps fear, perhaps um not really knowing that world or environment that they need to go in. I know yes. before I got into this area of speaking to people who were all about self-love and about self-discovery and bettering yourself it kind of felt like a, a different world like a foreign world and yeah. it was so even though I'm, I've always been a very creative person it almost felt a little bit too far away from what I knew so what were the steps that you took or, or what steps would you advise other people to do well, I think you nailed it. I think a lot of it is pressure. And I talk about this in my next book, which I'm really excited. It's called Joy Seeker. And I take people through, the book is about how to let go of what's holding us back so we can be who we're meant to be. And the very first part is identifying. So the very first step is identifying what is blocking you. So you're right, we have this aha moment or we say, yes, I want change. But what happens is so often we're comfortable in our uncomfortableness. You know, We stay comfortable in the habits that don't really serve us or in the patterns that we're thinking. And so to recognize where we're holding ourselves back, and we can do that through a process. One of the number one things that really blocks people, no matter where you're from, no matter what country you live in, is actually our pressure of society and we're worried about what other people think. And we also worry so much that what if I go do this? It's so different, like you said, than what I just did. What will people think? What if I fail? Who am I to do that? And so what's really happening is we're becoming more of who we really are. We've been operating for years, decades even, at a false version of us. It's, it's as best we could. We did the best we could, but we were trying to fit into society. We were doing what we thought we should. And that's why the eating disorders happen and the addictions and the stress and the anxiety and depression because, as Jim Carrey says, depression is just an indicator and an avatar that you're tired of playing the character that you were playing. And so there's a part of us that is crying out to be more real and we want to be our authentic self. So as you peel, it's like an onion, you peel away the layers that really don't feel authentic and you step forward, but you're like, wait a second, I'm still living in an inauthentic world. All my friends are still back there. I'm moving forward. And it becomes this very isolated journey, but it's really like the hero's journey, right? Joseph Campbell talks about. And the more we can identify the, the barriers that are blocking us, step number one, the second is to really get in touch with your intuition because your intuition, you know, my heart said, Shannon, follow your heart and start to trust it you will not fail. Like look at you with your podcast and your book, you're stepping into all of what you're doing because you're trusting your intuition. And, and it's really our higher self, our true self guiding us forward. I absolutely love that. I love the, that quote that you just said as well. And I think quite often our bodies, our bodies and our minds really tell us when we're in a place where of discomfort. I know when I was in the corporate world, I suffered so badly with anxiety. I'd wake up every day I'd have panic attacks on my way to work and and I was just so 
heavy, miserable. And yeah, and and when I decided to step out of that and really into a massive unknown, it's you know, the anxiety melted away and 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 that harshness of that reality of having to go to somewhere I hated every single day was was a lot more softened. And I think that it's such a it's kind of such a breath of fresh air and your body and your mind really knows you. Exactly. Yes. And that is a key point too. I love that you brought that up because it is a breath of fresh air when we step forward. And a lot of times our ego and our fear will make it so catastrophic in our minds that we feel like we can't. Oh my gosh, we will die if we move forward because the fear is so loud. But as soon as you step forward, you, you nailed it. As soon as you do, that fear subsides and it's almost like you're in a spring meadow of flowers running like fresh air, clouds. It just feels lighter because you're being true to yourself. And so if we just give ourselves permission and gather up that courage to step through that that part of the fear, the fear goes away. You know, fear is just there to try to protect us. Um, it, it's not really designed to stop us. It's up to us to step through it. So I love that you said that. Some people that, that might be listening to the podcast, viewing joy and happiness from the outside, I think we've all been through periods of depression or, you know, grief. And in those moments, there is that almost suffocating feeling where you just think, I don't understand this. I can't. And I spoke about it actually the other day on, on my Instagram. I, I said, at one point, I really thought there is nothing to be learned from this. I, you know, I, this is never going to get better and I'm never going to understand this. But something that you touched on was what your depression taught you about joy. And I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about that because I think it's a lesson or it might just be something that somebody needs to hear today. Yeah, I would absolutely love to talk about that because I do think depression is tied. I, I think it's important you brought up grief too because something that's interesting is, yes, I'm happy and I've overcome my clinical depression and my anxiety and eating disorders, but that doesn't mean I don't have depressed days. I think sometimes we look outside of ourselves and we see people on Instagram or you know people who are overcoming stuff. And one of the second beliefs that we think um, that really holds us back is that we're supposed to be happy all the time. And we think that if you've overcome something, then, oh, that means they've mastered this life thing. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, um, we all have moments. The, the real kind of special spot where you know that you're growing is how fast you bounce back. Like, I don't define myself by my depression anymore. Before, it was, I'm a depressed person. I'm stuck. Um, but now it's like, oh, I'm feeling depressed today. I'm feeling de- le- you know, down. And so I have self-care activities that I turn to. But I do want to touch on grief because I think, interesting enough, grief is is what turned me to really understand what joy really means and really in seeking out what I call the joy seeker journey, which is um, the book that I wrote. But the when I was depressed with depression, when my doctor diagnosed me 10, year, 10 and a half years ago, that same day, I went and read an article that said dogs can help with depression and anxiety. So I went and I adopted a dog, literally. And I know you have a dog too. They're like the best ever. (laughs) And I adopted a little dog, a rescue dog, Tucker. And so eight years later, he passed away. 
And so this was about two years ago. He died of old age and it crushed me because he was the person who helped, or the dog, right? I see dogs as people who pulled me out of depression, taught me how to love myself, taught me how to follow my heart and be a writer. And so what happens when that thing that brings you the more joy than anything, whether it's a person or an animal, or even we grieve the loss of jobs or the loss of situations, right? Grieving is, is a part of your heart that feels like it's empty and it's no longer there. And so I went into another depression and I had to learn how to be happy and find joy, not dependent on anything outside of myself. And that was the greatest lesson that his death really taught me because it, I asked myself what's something I've always wanted to do but haven't given myself permission to do. And it was like a loud racehorse. It, it, it screamed out at me and said, travel the world full time. And that was a dream that I had in my heart for over two decades. Now, I know some people listening are like, traveling full time. Yeah, right. The goal, though, is to think about what dream is in your heart. I was in a position as a writer where I could work from anywhere. And so I set out on this one-year journey to really understand as I was grieving. I remember I was grieving pretty much the whole year, but I was learning what joy meant for me and what joy is. And um, it's a beautiful process when we allow ourselves to go for our dreams in spite of what we feel is holding us back. And so instead of kind of sacrificing who you really are, ask yourself, what have I always wanted to do? Who am I really? And that can help move you forward. And as you go through it, say, what am I learning here? So what is my depression teaching me? What lesson does my anxiety have? What is this grief trying to show me? I, I think I heard somewhere something about what about dogs I think somebody was telling their child why dogs didn't live as long or animals didn't live as long as people and there was the quote was something like because uh the 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 potential to love is so much that and they reach it sooner and you know their 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 work is done and uh, it was just such a lovely sentiment because what you said about finding joy or or finding that reason outside of you that pulls you through there is definitely points in your life where you do look for outside sources and there's nothing wrong with that at all but but, what I talked about in my book as well it's what within you is that's that's your true power that's your stardust it's it's the ability to know that everything that you have everything that you will ever need is always inside of you and And that lesson that you learned from Tucker as well is just, it's just reinforcing that because he allowed you then to, to go on and to, yes, you know, reach potential. Yes. And I, I felt like he was with me on my journey. He could finally see the world with me, you know, and, and it was a a beautiful process, but I think what you said is so important because it is about the pivotal moments it's like what you said we have pivotal moments in our life and if you start to look at your whole entire life uh you could look at it like a story in their chapters or you could look at it like this beautiful canvas like this art piece and we get to put what we want on our canvas if you will and there will be moments where maybe the paint stroke doesn't look like what you thought and that's kind of what i call like that setback or but the what i'm getting at here is every moment is connected to the bigger picture. And so if I were to know the day that, you know, Tucker passed away and that grief was unbearable and I was like, what's the point in going on? I had to question, I I didn't have motivation to write. I was thinking about not doing my business anymore. That's how depressed I was. And if I were to look at where it led me here, it helped me become more of my true self. And so if we look at everything in our life as a gift, 
it's happening for me. It's designed by, by my higher self. It's, it's a process. Then, then what is this helping me become? It helps us live with more grace and ease. And I think to your point, it really helps us understand that we have the power within us to, to truly be our own heroes. I absolutely love that. How did you go from your advertising to writing? What was that? Was that what was in your heart? Oh, that's a great question. For me, when I very first left corporate, I didn't even know what I wanted. I just knew that that what I was doing was not for me. And so I went on um, kind of a journey of what I call we learn the way on the way. And each step I took of inspired action opened me up. And so I took a trip to Paris and it was a solo trip and I loved it so much. And I wrote And I had never brought my computer to write before because I was a graphic designer. But as I wrote, I had so much love and passion and I submitted one of those stories, the first story I ever wrote to Chicken Soup for the Soul, which is like a inspirational kind of short story book and it got published. And when I received that published letter, I was so, something came over me and it was like this, you are a writer, this is what you want. And it wasn't, it's the act of writing first and foremost for me. I feel like I have an opportunity to process and share and heal. Every book I write, I write because I need to heal something and then I put it out. But the thing about, same with you, right? But the thing about that is as I write, it becomes a message. And so it's that message. So it's kind of, they both work together. For me, it was really about trusting. And so I didn't, it's not like my very first book, you know, all of a sudden was a great success. It did, it did well, but I had a bridge job. And in my coaching practice and my work with entrepreneurs and authors who are trying to leave their job to become full entrepreneurs, Bridge job is the most important thing, which is where we have money coming in. We're not necessarily relying on our savings for three years, maybe one to three years, really focus on doing something that brings in the money. Like Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love and Big Magic. She talks about for many, many years, she did waitressing and Marie Forleo talks about that. All the authors you see out there who are like full-time now, like I'm a full-time author now and a coach. But before it took about three to five years of having bridge jobs. So I would coach at night or I would write on the side, but there is a turning point. And I truly believe when you follow your heart, you are always provided for. And I was never going to give up. And I do, I do know people who are like, oh, I'm not seeing the results. And so they give up or they feel like, oh, it's not, no one's showing up. The thing is we have to put our reasons over our results. And I think we have to believe in the reasons why we're doing it, our mission. It's so funny that you said that because I've been having a, uh, a period of that feeling recently. So when I, um, when I was reading through prepping again for the interview and things, I was just like, I feel like this is going to be very well needed. I feel like it's come at the right time because <laughs> I saw you at the, the self-love summit. Yeah. Like a year ago. It was ago. a year and a half ago. Yeah. Like, like a year. year. Yeah. yeah. And, um, oh my gosh, you were just incredible. And ever mm-hmm. since that day, I was like, I just, I'd love to speak to her. And now I just feel like everything's aligned and it's just to the it's right so time. Perfect. Always. It is. Isn't that amazing how that works too, though? Because I remember you reached out to me earlier this year and it wasn't quite the right time. And it is always, and that's another thing to the point for, for everyone listening. We have to trust the universal timing, right? And so there was a point, the first, I'd say three, three years of my business, I was so frustrated. And I was like, I have so much heart. I have so many ideas and I feel like it's not being received and I would like be sad about it. And then I had a coach at the time too who said something that really helped me. And it was powerful because they said, well, 
you're never not going to do this. Like this is who you really are. This is your passion. So even if just one more person reads your stuff, like you're not doing it for the people. You do it first for you because it's your joy and your passion. And that is really how we should be living our lives. And it's not selfish to follow your heart. It's not selfish to choose joy. Imagine if every single person on the planet was doing what they really loved. Imagine if they were really living from their heart and that would really manifest so much kindness and compassion. And so the more we can do what we love, the more love we're putting in the world. And that will never, ever go in vain. If you stick with it long enough, you will always reach the audience you're supposed to. You will always, always, you know, sell the books and write whatever the passion is for you, you know, sell the paintings. Just thinking a lot of times in the creative industry, we feel like, ah, it's so hard. But these are just beliefs that kind of block us. So keep going. Yeah, I think as well, I think what's quite hard, especially in today's day and age where we're a couple of clicks away from seeing somebody else's life, you know, Instagram, etc. There is such a pull almost to compare. Um, Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I don't know what I don't know what your feelings are in conter- in terms of comparison versus authenticity. I love that you bring this up because over the past few months I've been feeling very frustrated myself with social media in general and not so much my social media but looking out and just feeling the fakeness and and feeling the inauthenticity and feeling the people who are just sell 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 look at me look at me or look at my manipulated you know body that's been face tuned or whatever right so. I think what we really want to do, and I talk about this in Joy Seeker as well, because it is about authentic living. And what that means is you align with what feels good for you. So when it comes to social media, social media can be this beautiful place where you're uplifting and you're using your platform to help others and you're speaking your truth like you do on your social media, like I'm doing. But there can be a a time, if there's ever a time where you're thinking you need to post something to kind of keep up like oh they say you should post this many times a day and this is the time you post or this is how to get more followers then to me we're falling into like a kind of a manipulated reality we're falling into like the forced corporate kind of thing so to stay in your heart just align with yourself when it comes to you posting does this feel good does this feel true but number two i really think unfollow unsubscribe, clean up your feeds, don't follow things that make you feel less than. Um, I have really good friends and they're like my soul sisters. And sometimes I will mute them for a couple weeks if I'm not in the place of where they're at. Like for example, I was traveling full time last year and I was not in a place to release a book. I was writing my book and I had a dear friend, love her very much, but she was in full book launch mode. And that was like kind of triggering me. And so I just muted her for a couple weeks and now we're friends, we hang out for coffee. But you have to just kind of protect yourself and know what is authentic for you and so it really is about um, being true to yourself and being unapologetic about what brings you comfort and joy Mm. as somebody myself who sorry was one of my most used words a few years ago and if anybody said if somebody could have bumped into me and I'd have said sorry it was my go-to word and I think there's a lot of people that probably can relate to constantly feeling like they have to apologize and that fact of being unapologetically you is I think that's what I'm drawn to as well when I for example if I'm looking on Instagram and there's a there's quite a few people in my Instagram circle if you like who are very dry very you know they they don't 
their life isn't all rainbows and sunshine, but they approach it in a way that it is just so fun. And they yeah. laugh about the slightly crap times and they and, and just by opening themselves up, they become so much more of a magnet to people mm-hmm. instead of just having this shut yeah. off. This is me. This is my perfect life. Oh, I love that. And that's exactly it. And, and I think you kind of touched on it too. We are in a time more so than ever, especially, you know, in this year where I feel like the humanity and the world and people are really starving for attention. And that starving sensation is also what, you know, what was part of at least a trigger for my eating disorders when I was younger. Like I, I wanted to be seen and valued, but at the same time, I was so afraid to see myself and who I really was. And I, I truly believe that the social media is amplifying this because it's like, look at me, look at me. And we can fall into, oh, we're looking at them and feeling bad about ourselves, or we can fall into a place of I'm going to do me. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to be true to me. And then not worry so much about the numbers, the algorithms, the who's following me. And like you said, I'm going to have fun along the way. Your friends that are making light of it, that's beautiful because they're really just using it as a community space and a place to come together, which is what we can all do. We want to come together. Hmm. Yeah. I think connection is one of the most important, important things we can take from it really, isn't it? Yeah. And I think we can, as far as social media goes, we can really use that as a, as a positive. Some of my best friends now I met through social media and um, I think it's a powerful way to connect us. And so we just have to be more mindful of, is this uh, making me, am I using this to escape something? Am I down the rabbit hole of comparing myself or am I really just genuinely um, excited to catch up with certain people and friends, that kind of thing? I want to um, just touch on your your year of travel, if that's okay. Absolutely. How did you go about it? So did you, were you the kind of person that will meticulously plan something or did you have a, have kind of a first stop and then go with the flow? What kind of traveler are you? (laughs) Well, I like that you say what kind of traveler I was. First, let's back up. I didn't have like a ton of money in savings or anything. I knew as an author and a coach, I make money Um, basically online working with people and then my books and royalties and writing books and stuff. So it wasn't a matter of fear around money. I kind of just let go and trusted. And turns out that the year I traveled last year was the most abundant year. I made more money last year than I have ever in my business. And I think it's because I just let go and trusted. And I said, I'm going to live fully from my heart and I'm going to do what is in my heart. And the universe really responds well to that. And the universe also responds well to action. And so I sat down and I made a whole plan and I literally had it to the days and I sent it to my family and I was like, okay, I'm going to be in Iceland on these days and in London here and you can come visit me. And, and then as soon as I got on the road about two weeks and I was like, that was a bad idea (laughs) (laughs) because that was part of my joy seeker journey to realize that there are some places that I did not want to stay for whatever reason and other places that I was like, I need to stay here longer. And so basically scratched the whole entire I had a whole year mapped out to the date and the time I would be leaving the city. (laughs) And that was also a really good experiment in how I I was trying so hard to control things in my life up until that point. Everything, my business, and I was afraid to like even hire an assistant, right? Because I had to do it all on my own. And um, I, I had to really work through a lot of things on that journey of letting go and trusting and really just going with the flow and the most greatest, beautiful journey. And I share this in the book, don't want to give away the 
the big ahas, but it's about being present and learning how to be so present in your life that you realize you don't have anything to worry about in the future. And we can fully let go of the past because the present is where life is happening. And so the, the greatest gift that the Joy Seeker journey gave me was to learn how to let go of trying to control my life and be more present. And then kind of a fun part is, um, as I said, I was grieving Tucker and I didn't even realize, but one thing I learned on the, on the, as we're talking about connection is I got more lonely than I thought I would. And I met quite a few people, you know, as a solo travel, I travel a lot, but this loneliness was really an unbearable loneliness that really showed me that the most important thing to me is connection and living with meaning. So I had set out to, to kind of go see like the Eiffel tower and, and see all these great things and, basically tackle my bucket list. But as I was doing that, I was like, okay, where's the meaning to this? And it it felt a little shallow to me. Yeah, great. Okay. I'm tackling all these things, but what's, what's, what's the real thing? And that's another part where I realized the joy is inside of us, but it led me to travel with purpose. So I started to travel to help rescue dogs. And I flew to China with the help of a Golden Bond Rescue, which is an organization where I live in Oregon, to help rescue dogs from the meat trade. And so it's funny because I started my journey grieving, but I ended my journey rescuing a dog. Um, chance a golden retriever and he is like the most joy I've ever had in my life he's the love of my life and so it's funny to see how we go full circle and I started to add meaning into my life and all of a sudden what did that lead to it led to like me meeting my little soulmate dog buddy you know Mm, that's so sweet so was he from China he is, yeah. So I was traveling through South um, Southeast Asia, and while I was um, over there, I started to volunteer more. I flew back to Oregon for a little bit um, for the Thanksgiving holiday, and I volunteered with uh, Golden Bond, which is a rescue organization that rescues dogs from Asia mostly, and they needed an escort to come help them bring dogs back. And so I flew over there and he was part of um, the, you know, kind of the not so good situations over there. And they bring, they bring dogs back every month, like 10 to 15 dogs. And I was originally just going to foster him to help out, but I fell in love with him and ended up adopting him. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it's fun though, because it's really about meaning. And to me, meaning was purpose, you know, having more purpose and like stepping into who you really are. Yeah, 100%. And I think as well, I really loved what you said about having your itinerary plan to the day and <laughs> it all just went out the window. And I, I completely I completely can relate to that because the same thing happened when I went solo traveling in Australia when I was much younger, it was about 10 years ago. Um, but though the, the, the things that came up when I let go of the, the kind of rule book, the itinerary, was so much more fulfilling than anything that I could have got just by following. Exactly. Exactly. And that is such a 100% shine the light on that aha moment because that is exactly how our life is. We try to plan things out and that's why we get this anxiety and this frustration and stress. If we learn how to let go a little bit and trust the universe more, that is where the fulfillment, that is where the action, the awesome stuff comes in. You're so right. And that was the same thing with my travel. Uh, it led to, by letting go of the itinerary and the control, so many amazing things happened. Mm, yeah. And we can't do this in our life, like our personal lives and our business and our relationships with others. We're trying so hard to control the outcome, you know, with significant others or with our career, where is this going? If we just relax a little bit more, the journey truly is the reward and it's magical. 100%. I think a lot of people will 
that go on experiences and things like that often it will be the moments of uh, the the most the least notable moments that they thought wouldn't be anything suddenly turn into just so this, the everything isn't it it's so true yeah and you know you it's funny you bring that up because just the other night I was hanging out with Chance I named my dog Chance second chance at life and after the the movie but anyways I was cuddling with him and I was just hanging out on the couch and I was so full of joy and I reflected back to just a few months ago when I was traveling full-time and how I was like oh when I see the pyramids of Giza that will be the joy but it's the joy is not in anything we do outside of ourselves it really is in the moment and just sitting on the couch cuddling like or just you know cooking a nice dinner for yourself or taking care of yourself with a nature walk like joy it's just a profound experience when we can tap into the moment and let the joy be and exist within us yeah a hundred percent i think i think you can you can create the environment for joy to grow but i don't think you can enforce it yes and i like how you said to grow because we bring it with us right and so i think if we um you know in my joy seeker journey when i left for my travel i had three intentions and the first was to let go of all expectations and i think we can do this in our life if we let go of expectations and just focus on the journey things will be so much more rewarding and then the second thing i wanted was to trust myself more and this goes back to everything we've talked about today if we trust ourselves more and listen to our heart and our inspiration we will be provided for and taken care of. And then the third intention that I had was to see my life as an unfolding creative adventure. So that goes back to stop trying to control and just every step we take, it's an unfolding part of the journey. Mm. I love what you say about trust as well. Trust yourself because uh, when I think going back to um, talking about kind of um, addiction and depression and eating disorders, I think quite often if when we're in when we're in this space, whether it be you know if we have a problem with alcohol or or drugs or our relationship with food, we don't trust ourselves with whatever it is. We yes. we don't believe that we can do whatever it, we can't we can't live our lives without it. And it's when you let go and you trust yourself that's yes. when everything comes yeah. together, isn't it? It is. And it's, again, it's fear kind of manipulating us and trying to force us to, to think that um, we can't do it. But you, you said it earlier too, our bodies know what we need. And a lot of the times when we really are aligned and truly, truly uh, in a place of knowing who we are and what we need, your body's going to tell you that you don't need more of whatever it is you're, you're thinking. That is something like whether it's overeating or alcohol or drugs or overworking, overspending, a lot of the time, all of that is to avoid feeling our feelings, right? But if we allow ourselves to feel our feelings, we can free ourselves. And so the biggest part of my journey was really understanding why I was depressed, why I wasn't allowing joy in my life, why, why I was turning to overeating again, all those things, right? And when we really kind of put a lens of self-inquiry on it, we can say, wow, I, I can trust myself. And as you do that, things become so much easier. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think you learn so much more about yourself as well. Like I've since April, so I decided to stop drinking yeah. to just I try it for a year. If I want to carry on, I'll carry on. And although I wasn't a, you know, I didn't drink every day, that kind of thing. When I first started to open myself up to that 
that step, that journey, I was petrified. I didn't want to tell anybody. I thought, oh my gosh, what if I fail? Like the fear was so, so much. And then that told me that this isn't something you need to do. You know, mm-hmm. living, living completely sober, you know, not having a drink when you're feeling a bit stressed or, you know, numbing yourself, which is, I think, my thing. I just wanted to numb myself. It's been one of the most incredible things that I've done for myself. And it's opened me up to living, like you said, a lot more authentically because I have to feel those feelings. I have to enable myself to feel the way I I do. And what I thought would happen would be that I would become this really dull version of myself when actually I think I'm probably winding my husband up more because I'm even more weird (laughs) and even more free. Um, Yeah, I love that you said that because I think what's really beautiful is you're coming from a place of authenticity. Like that's the key. When we make choices from a place of this is aligned with the life that I want to create versus making choices from, I hate myself, I hate life, I need to change. When you come from a positive place of well-being, and it sounds like you made that choice from a place of, okay, this is who I want to be in my, in my life. And, and that's what we can do. And like you said, you nailed it. I think a lot of times we feel like there's, there's a part of us that's going to be, who am I going to be with out this thing that I've had for so long and you were like oh I'm going to be a really dull version of me and so same thing with with um you know for many many years I was um struggling with my weight and whether I lost the weight or gained the weight I never felt good about myself and it's like who am I going to be when that weight isn't there and you have to look at these things in your life so I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I think all of us it's part of the healing journey we have to allow ourselves to be who we really are, not lean on who we've been. Yeah, 100%. And what I really liked what you, about what you said at the beginning of our talk was that, you know, just because you, you, you choose to find the joy, you choose to be happy, it doesn't mean that there aren't those moments where you feel taken aback. You know, it's not necessarily always a back step, but you feel suddenly caught off guard, but you're able to deal with things so much better. Yes. You've been able to... I mean, I, I, my sister absolutely wet herself when I told her this, but I had a, a moment a few months ago and I hadn't had any kind of anxiety attack for a very long time. And I was in my car, got in my car and I took, put, I had my foot on the brake, took the, the brake handle off and suddenly my, I felt like my car was rolling backwards really slowly. So I yanked the brake back up. I put my foot on the brake, but still the car was going really slowly. And my anxiety just went, woof. Yeah. And what actually was happening was that the car next to me was pulling out slowly. I wasn't looking anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It really shook me up. And and that's the thing. And you, you still have those moments where you're completely caught off guard. But after... After a period of time when you're allowing yourself that feeling, you can, you can step back and you can learn from it and you can l- learn to deal with it so much better than you ever could. That's exactly it, right? And that is true growth when we, we don't function in the way that we used to. Sometimes we have trigger moments where we will right away, but then we catch ourselves. And, and truly, it comes back to self-love. That's a self-loving thing. When you show up for yourself, you care for yourself, and you are compassionate, right? You, you still, you know, like you recognized, okay, this happened, but I am going to choose to see that it's okay. Mm, yeah. Where was the 
the best place that or one of the best places that you visited? You know, it's interesting because during the journey, um, I talk about this. So the book Joy Seeker isn't really about my travels. It's about how do we step into a life that we're made for. And it was inspired by my travels. But I do share this story in the book about I went to Barcelona and I fell in love with it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I was like, I want to live here. This place is amazing. But the reason Barcelona was so special, it could have been anywhere on the planet. It's because that's where I went on my journey, where right before that I was in Portugal. So while I was there, I was having moments of everyone I talked to, especially in America, was like, Portugal, go to Portugal. It's amazing. And I got there and I was kind of deflated, right? And there's actually a real syndrome called the Paris syndrome. It's a real, real thing. And it happens with a lot of Asian tourists. It's a, a mental disorder where they think they should go and they love it. And people are like, go to see the Eiffel Tower and they get there and it's not at all what they expected. Mm -hmm. And so this is exactly what was happening on my journey. And so I had to come within myself and realize you have to let go of all expectations of wherever you go and just let the places be what they are instead of trying to think that there's going to be a place that's going to be the best, right? There's no Disneyland as you're traveling. Like there's no icing, you know, rainbow pot of gold. This is just part of the journey. And that is when I fully surrendered. And that's when I arrived to Barcelona and I loved it so much. And um, it's interesting how that happens in our journey. I think that's really about our life too. We have so many expectations. Other people say, this is so great. You need to do it. And it really comes back down to releasing expectations. So I love Barcelona. Um, I also, London was really important for me last year because I stayed there for five weeks because before that I had already visited. I had been traveling for, I had been to three continents. I had traveled to about 15 countries in about maybe four months. It was a very aggressive schedule. So I was really happy that people spoke English <laughs> and I was really happy that I could like get around easily. So I stayed there for five five weeks and it really helped me regroup. So London has a special place in my heart too, because I went through kind of an emotional healing there of, you know, coming back to myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure probably a physical healing as well after all that traveling. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And like unpacking, putting your stuff into a, into a closet instead of living out of a suitcase. So it was a really magical journey for me. It was interesting because I think we all have dreams and I talk about this in the book too. And it's probably my favorite chapter where we have dreams and when we step into them, we often learn more about ourselves. And when we, we will get to a place where we will recognize, is this dream really, really meant to be lived out fully? And sometimes we push through and we, we aren't having any joy whatsoever. And we push through because we said we were going to do it. We've invested time. We've put money into it. But then there's other times where our soul is talking to us and it's really saying, it's time. You've learned what you've needed to learn. It's time for next chapter. And so it's about, again, trusting ourselves. And when you really get in tune with who you are, you can trust the guidance and know when it's time to leave a dream because another one is ready. And that's why um, I didn't, my goal was to travel for a full year. I ended up traveling for about eight months and I struggled at first internally, but that, that led me to chance adopting a dog who, who was the dream that I didn't even know was going to be the end part of that goal. You know what I mean? Mm. That's so sweet. Have you uh... <laughs> Have you taught Chance any, how old is he? 
He's about two and a half, and yeah, he knows tricks. Is that what you're going to ask? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He knows, he knows um, like, pray. He'll put his hands up on you and, like, 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 like a little thing. He knows sit and stay. He's so playful. The most beautiful thing, too, is um, it's just so fun to, to have that partnership, you know? I think I realized while I was traveling, as much as the world is amazing and I love seeing the world, I still love travel. It's part of my joy. But I think, to me, having a companion and a dog is true joy for me. I'm such an animal lover. I volunteer my time. You know, I love animals like you, you have a puppy, right? Like it's a bundle of joy, <laughs> even though they're a little terrors sometimes. Yeah. Like the other day I caught chance eating books. Like he was eating books and I was like, I'm an author. Don't eat books. But he like had all the pages out. Good thing. It was like an old book, you know, from my bookshelf. But so it, it, it's like those moments they keep us on our feet, but yes, thanks for that. <laughs> I love it when they do that. It's so funny. And I mean, I, I never grew up with dogs. I've always grown up with cats and we've got two cats um, as well. But when we got Dexter, I was like, probably like a new mum. I was like, he's breathing a bit funny. Is he okay? And Alan was like, he's just panting. He's okay. And, yes. and you, <laughs> exactly. you have all these kind of moments with them and he knows full well what to do to kind of wind us up as well, which I find so funny because he's got this intelligence behind him where he's a really kind of dopey, all leggy kind of puppy, but he's also very switched on and he knows exactly what to do. If he takes daddy's shoe outside, he knows that he's going to have a game. (laughs) Ah, yeah. See, they are so smart and it's a, it's like constant unfolding of joy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you were a dog, what dog would you be? I would like to be a golden retriever because Chance is a golden retriever. um, And I love golden retrievers. Tucker was a golden retriever too. But the reason I love them is because there's something with, um, they're so cuddly and energetic, but in a, not in a hyper way, but more of like a, every golden that I've ever met has this like very balanced spirit. And so they feel very family orientated, but they, they're athletic as well. So they're just as fine cuddling on the couch or running like five miles on a hike. And that's kind of how I am too. So how about you? I'm, I'm not really sure to be honest. I would say because of my size, I'd probably be something like a chihuahua, <laughs> but I don't think I'm as angry as a chihuahua. They, they, seem, pretty- they seem to have little complexes, kind of yeah. like I'm little and I'm gonna, I'm a scared of the world, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. don't think I've got a little person complex. Um, I might be <laughs> slightly loud, but I don't think I'm angry. Yeah, to be honest, I'd probably be, probably be like Dexter, um, who's an Irish doodle. Um, yeah. Although I'm not all, I'm definitely not all legs. I may be a yeah. mini, mini doodle. <laughs> you said you guys have the same hair color, right? So yeah, yeah, we do. That's- <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I he's messy as well, so. That works. You know, it's, it's interesting because dogs do have, uh, like, the type of breed a dog definitely has certain characteristics. Like, you know, um, you know, whatever the, like, a husky is very different than a chihuahua, that kind of thing. It's same with people, though, I guess, right? With cultures and everything. Mm, yeah, it's funny. We've been starting, there's um, one of my, weirdly, one of my old school friends. We've known each other since we were two. Um, and she lives at the end of the road I live on now. And she walks her sister's dog, which is a Alsatian. Oh yeah. Um, 
he's very big and he's a bit grumpy as well. Um, he doesn't like Dexter when Dexter gets a bit too excited, etc. But it's it's really it's really nice because he chills out a little bit when we're on walks together. Whereas mm-hmm. usually, I think he's he can be a bit kind of um, protective. And he chills out a lot more around the other dogs, which is really lovely because they bring out the best in each other. And I think going back to what you were saying about connection, I think when you meet people, they bring out sides of you that are just, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I think sometimes when we go on our our personal development path, right, or we step into our our heart, we will be surrounded sometimes by people who don't get it because they're still kind of in the place of where we were. And I had noticed on my journey that we have to be able to let go of what we think it's supposed to look like in our friends because your true tribe can't show up until you do. And so when you are more authentic to yourself, you meet people who are more like you. And even in that though, like you said, I have one friend where I can be super silly with and I have another friend I can talk like crystals and spirituality with, another friend who we're like only talking about goals, another one who we're like talking about business challenges, right? And so that makes up, it's kind of like the well-rounded, we can never get one thing from everyone and why would we want to, right? So it's kind of a beautiful part of our friendship. So surround yourself with people who support you and love you and um, just enjoy those friendships. I really love that. That's so, that's so, so true as well. Yeah. So where can I, tell me when the book is out, where people can get it from. Um, yes, I'm so excited. So, uh, so my website is playwiththeworld.com and you can go to Play With The World. You can get a lot of freebies there. I have free meditations and free guides, free journal prompts, but the book, the Joy Seeker Joy Seeker book comes out October 29th, but I am offering a pre-order campaign right now where you get a lot of goodies if you if you pre-order the book. Um, just go to my website, Play With The World, and uh, it's been beautiful talking to you. Thank you today. It's been so lovely. Thank you. And um, what is your Instagram, where people can find you on there? Yeah, Instagram and Facebook, it's Shannon Kaiser, K-A-I-S-E-R, writes like a W-R-I-T-E-S for my author pages, so... I am posting positive content and tips from the books. And if you enjoyed our conversation, I hope to see you over there. Amazing. I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. But that is us for today. It has been so wonderful speaking to you. And our conversation has just been like another big hug. So it's been Ah, I feel that way too. I'm hugging you right now. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) All right. So we will see you guys next week. Don't forget to like and follow and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.